0: Welcome to season six of the Making a Marketer podcast with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Gretemann Group and Xdan. This show is for all levels of experience talking marketing and business with the best guests in the industry. Two guarantees that we maintain, you will learn and laugh. Here we go. Hello, hello. And welcome to Episode 123 of the Making a Marketer podcast. All right, y'all. I'm I'm excited. I know I always say that. I'm excited about this show. I'm excited about every show. Like, Why do it if you're not excited about it? right? But one of our best performing shows involved the topic. And it's been since 2018, since we've talked about it. So this will be perfect. And I'll introduce you to our guest in just a sec. But first, this podcast is made possible by Powers of Marketing... We focus on strategic content creation, including podcast and event production, hosting, and emceeing. Hello, co-host Jen Cole. How are you today?
1: I am mighty fine today, Megan.
0: Despite <laughs> mighty fine. the cold weather,
1: it is <laughs> uh-huh. freezing. <laughs> Save the weather, chat, for the halftime. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> halftime, halftime. All right.
0: <laughs> so I do have to say, anyone who's been listening to us for a while... They know we are football fans. (laughs) I was extremely disappointed. My team did not make it to the Super Bowl, but Jens did and won. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot
0: of fun. So if I'm honest, I wanted both teams to lose because (laughs) you guys beat us a few years ago and then the Eagles beat us to go. But I definitely was like, okay, if I have to pick, I want the Chiefs to win.
1: Yay! Um, yeah,
0: and I I did have the Chiefs by three, but I didn't expect nice. there to be that much scoring. I didn't no. expect it to be thirty eight to thirty five. That was crazy.
1: That I game 20... was legit. Yeah, it was a great game.
0: It was. It was.
1: Congrats! Yeah.
0: We'll get you, you. you next year. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our topic today, we're going to talk about humanizing your brand's voice through chat automation. And our guest is Danny Monzon. Welcome, Danny.
2: Hello, Megan. Hello, Jen. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. So excited. Yeah. So I mentioned we did another show. Um, Kelly Noble Mirabella was our guest on episode 23. In 2018, yeah. and she still holds the record for most downloads. It's been a minute; like I haven't, we haven't had a ton of listens recently. But it was tight between the top two. The other one was on cannabis marketing, and there, it's she pulled way ahead. She's got three percent of the 121 shows we've had. She's got three percent of the downloads, so it's definitely a topic that people have shown an interest in. But the name of that one was conversation as a marketing tool. So. This, I think maybe we're going to be marketing. It's used in marketing, but there's some other uses for it, right? So, and I think we're going to be talking about it in a different way today with you. So, let me read Danny's bio real quick. From New York City nightclub promoter to award winning agency founder, Danny specializes in chat automation, building customer retention strategies that humanize a brand's voice. Two time speaker at the Midwest Digital Marketing Conference in St. Louis, Social Media Day Jacksonville, and multiple virtual summits. Clearly, is on stages talking about it. So we're in good hands today. Jen, why don't you kick us off?
1: All right, let's go. I love that you mentioned Social Media Day Jacksonville because I'm on the board for Digital Wichita and we put on Social Media Day Wichita every year. So yay for that. No I have to try me. to find a way to get you on our stage eventually. That would be amazing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really excited to have you on the show. And I'm so excited that we're going to retouch on this topic because there's been a lot that has happened since 2018. So let's go back to the beginning. For our listeners who might not be up to speed on chat automation, can you briefly explain what it is and why it's important?
2: Sure thing. So wow, going back to 2018, I think we've been doing chat though since we used to live in caves, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I think so. I mean, I'm not I'm not a historian or anything like it, but I dare say that when Commerce first came about when we were trading things, because we didn't have PayPal, we didn't have Bitcoin back then, right? We were trading things. we were, In essence, that was commerce. We were chatting, right? And if we weren't speaking the same language, we were making, I don't know, some kind of caveman noises, right, or whatever. But I think that communication in business has always been there. Right. It's just recently or maybe around 2017, where the automation of chat or the automation of these conversations first became a thing because, you know, some platforms developed and the attention of the consumers went from different mediums to where to mobile right and within mobile we had you know all these different apps even in 2018 even more so now but in essence chat automation is is just that is uh, automating the way a brand communicates with its users its prospects and clients right so when we see multiple questions or Things that people want to know about the brand or the product, the brands not always have the manpower to respond in a timely manner to every single uh, question. So that's when automation takes place, automating the way we communicate with our audience.
0: And to clarify, it can be in many different places, right? It can be on your website. It can be in Facebook Messenger. What are the different environments that you can put this in place?
2: Sure thing. So the, with the rise of messaging apps, right, some time ago, we didn't have all the options that we do now, right? right. We now, you know, we have Messenger, we have Instagram DMs. We have WhatsApp. We have Telegram. Right. We have SMS. Right. That's Mm -hmm. we're chatting SMS. And, you know, to name a few. Now, here in the States, the most popular ones, of course, in the social spectrum, right, is Facebook Messenger and Instagram DMs. Right. However, in Latin America, because I have clients in brands that we serve in Latin America, the, the bigger opportunity in chat automation lies on WhatsApp, WhatsApp is a major major channel in Latin America. But uh yeah, those are the channels that we are, you know, chatting with prospects, clients and where we need to automate most of those conversations.
0: So, I mean, I think everyone who's listening probably has experienced one before, but you know, you go and you ask the question, what's your address, right? You know, and there's a an automation, there's a Flow in there, right? That comes back and gives the address. So things like that. It's the back and forth. It's also anticipation, right? Of what they're going to be asking. And so I'm kind of jumping ahead there. All right. So to go back to my next question that I planned was All right. Everyone is hearing about ChatGPT. We just did a show on it. And it's funny. I had a friend say, I listened to your podcast and he thought he's not a marketer. He thought of all the things because he's kind of a technical guy. He thought he would get it. And he's like, I don't get it. So then I thought, well, we probably didn't do a good job of starting of going back to the beginning and you know like what is artificial intelligence in these in this context and that's a differentiator that i see right it's ai it's not a person creating an automation so let's just talk for a minute about the difference between chat messaging and the emergence of ai like chat gpt and also is there a distinction between chat automation and messenger marketing because that's like a no, good
2: right. question. Yeah. Good, good, good questions. And uh, I, I had to formulate, you know, what, what are my answers here? Because I do see a lot of confusion, right? and uh, And some misinformation out there. So chat automation and AI, they overlap, right? I would say that they overlap. They're not the same thing, although they could... Work side by side, you know, in tandem. So, you know, to do a better job at answering, you know, questions that the person who programmed the chatbot didn't anticipate. Right. Yeah. So, let me see if I can paint a picture here. When I first started automating chat before Chat GPT and OpenAI and all these tools came about, at least to mainstream, I was pre designing conversations. Right. So, frequently asked questions, you know, blows that trigger by a certain keyword, et cetera, right? And we would do these bots or chat bots for top of funnel, middle of funnel, or bot- top, middle, or bottom of funnel, depending on the campaign, right? This did not include AI, although some people who were not marketers from some people who were not in the in our space thought it was AI, and they would have their minds blown mm-hmm. by these conversations that were Congruent, but they were autoresponders for the most part, right? We formulated something, we pre-designed the conversation and predicted, you know, that engagement in a way that we could continue to engage and put that person to the next part of the funnel or disqualify, you know, that participation. Now, when we're talking now about AI, right, and the various tools that right now ai is more than an autoresponder right ai should be able to be trained as a human mind right i mean it's what it says ai artificial intelligence not every bot I guess a mantra that i say or some people started saying it again but not every bot is created equal right yeah. and not everything that is automated is a bot, right? So I think that for the most part, the main difference between chat automation, and I think that we were conversating off air, you know, about an event that we participated in. Back then it was coined messenger marketing, right? Because messenger was what provided the connectivity, right, Mm -hmm. between Facebook Messenger and our platform to automate this, you know, give and take back and forth communication, right? We didn't have that in the technical speech It's uh, or technical terminology, it's the API, right? We didn't have an API with uh, Instagram yet. Mm-hmm. That, that happened only a couple of years ago. So messenger marketing kind of evolved into chat marketing because now it's not just messenger. Now it's just so many other channels. So chat marketing and chat automation, right? I mean, we all communicate with brands and we have different communications, although before they are verbal and external, we have communication in our minds, right? So we're very keen to humanizing these robotic or these automated dialogues um, with, with the copy that helps the other party aka a human being, make a decision, right? And, you know, opt in or sign up for, you know, a challenge or place a purchase. So I think that was my long answer. But uh-huh. um, yeah. Yeah, AI <laughs> and chat marketing, they do overlap. They're not the same thing, but they complement each other.
0: That's interesting, because I was thinking that like companies like ManyChat and different companies are going to have to make some changes, right, to incorporate this other
2: tech. Yes, and they have already been working on, okay. on that. And I think what makes it very... Very interesting point in our timeline as marketing professionals is that the connectivity aspect, right? So I was just recently, I recently made a a reference to an API, which is the connectivity between software and another. Now we found direct connectivity between ManyChat and GPT 3, which is a natural language processor, right, that puts together all this data and spits it out in a form that you and I can understand, right, in the English language, if we're speaking in English. So yeah, ManyChat can directly connect with uh, GPT-3, and that's one of the latest um, developments that uh, we've been able to do here at DM Digital. Gotcha. Cool.
1: Awesome. Yeah, you know, it sounds like these things have a potential for being pretty beneficial for brands. So how can brands know when and where to use this kind of chat feature? Because we've talked about like the different avenues, like website, SMS, WhatsApp, things like that. How can brands know, you know, when and where to implement this?
2: Yeah, It's a a good question, although when I get a chance to speak, you know, whether it's in public, from a a stage or, or, you know, here virtually, or even a one-on-one with a prospect, right? I sometimes answer that question before it's already formulated, right? So <laughs> one of the questions that I that I help a person think about when steering this person into, into knowing that they need what I have to offer is, well, how many businesses rely on conversations with their prospects? Raise your hand. I mean, like everybody, right? right? Every, business, yeah. right? <laughs> Every business owner, no matter how automated, no matter how digital it is, or how traditional it is, we all rely on conversations, right? So when does a brand know when to take on automation? I think that there are different times, you know, depending on the timeline of that specific brand, right? I've I've been brought into projects where we have a startup that is predicting you know an influx of conversations. Why? Because it's a it's a launch of a product. People want to know things about the product, people have questions that you know maybe we haven't formulated or predicted, where also we've been brought into projects where a $44 million in sales brand have brought us in not just to automate, because they had a team that were automating things already, but to oversee compliance, right? Are they playing by the rules? Right. Uh, is this brand in you know at high risk or of getting you know their accounts penalized or worse, as we've seen you know the you know many, many brands uh, go through this nightmare. But I think a brand will realize when they need automation one way or another, whether they predict it's going to happen or whether they are up to their crowns answering questions that are repetitive, that are mundane, that are in different languages also, right? So yeah, different brands and different brand owners come to that realization at different points.
0: I think that's a great segue to my question, because I don't think that chatbots are human enough. I think that I more often than not, I get frustrated that, my question isn't being answered. And I, that at the core of that is that they're not programming it to answer the question that I'm asking in the way that I'm asking it. Right. So I wondered if you could give a few tips, maybe to our listeners who are thinking about getting into this for how to actually make their chatbots more human.
2: I am glad that you made that statement because I agree. I agree that n- not all chatbots are are doing their job as intended, right? I think right. that we as marketers, we get seduced by the automation, you know, idea or concept, right? We see or we heard, you know, tools and results, right? And we get, you know, very, very intrigued. At least that was the case in my early beginnings, right? In 2017, we saw a lot of that, and but we also saw a lot of the side effects, if you will, Right. Some of these side effects included brands being penalized because they weren't following the rules. But we can't blame the brands because who's the brand? Right. We there's only one person to you know point who is responsible for this. And these are the people who develop the chatbots, right? The people who are behind the keyboard, just you know, putting things together, putting the copy together, conditions, exclusions, and that sort of thing. So in 2018, when Chat automation was very early in the game. I had an opportunity to speak at Social Media Day Jacksonville, and uh, it seems that it was forever ago, but it wasn't right. I think that uh, 2018, you know, opened the floodgates, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, for for a lot of people, including for myself. And I got a chance to get the attention of some event planners for that event here locally, and they offered the opportunity for me to speak. And although it was 2018, I was already building bots for about a year. And although chatbots were somewhat a misunderstood concept, the topic of my conversation, of my presentation, I should say, was humanize your brand using messenger automation, right? So it was kind of an oxymoron where like humanize your brand using a robot, what? (laughs) Right? So, but the very content of that presentation was about that about before we get into the automation of it, we need to understand the human brain, right? Because Mm -hmm. on the other side of that mobile device, on the other side of that screen, there's another human being, you know, with broken dreams, with ambitions, with fears, with all these emotions. And as we know, human brains... Human beings make decisions based on what? Emotions. Not so much on logic, right? (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Um, So how do we intertwine these concepts or these, not concepts, these are realities, these are truths that govern how we make decisions, right? Into the automation, into the tool, right? So automating or humanizing, as you said, humanizing this content inside of your chat bot becomes so, so powerful, Right. Yet it's 2023, five years later, not everybody's getting it. You know, everybody's like, oh, tool, 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 tool. They're forgetting about the fundamentals. They're forgetting about how we make decisions, how to humanize, you know, these conversations, how to use humor, how to use, you know, automated, you know, gifts, how to humanize, you know, in this little tiny screen with limited space right? How do we get a person to take action? How do we get a person to make a comparison? How do we make a person to debunk a myth that they have ingrained in their thoughts, in their mindset, in order to make a decision, right? So humanizing a brand using automation, I think it's a topic that as fast as this is going, humanizing your brand using automation, that's going to be a fundamental topic to keep learning about.
0: Yeah. And so for those listening who haven't seen it, just like a chat flow picture, like an org chart that's on steroids, you know, it's it's a, there's a, if this, then that kind of situation, right? So when you, you're you guessing someone's going to ask this question and you know what that answer is, but then it's like anticipating what might come next, right? Or they say they ask for two different things. And so then you kind of have to, you have to put in the breaks off to different branches to maybe answer a different question. I mean, if you're doing it right, I think you're sitting down and you're creating conversations, let's say on paper, for lack of a better way to put it, right? You probably do it on your computer, but just think of it that way. Like these are the questions that someone might ask and then trying to figure out from there, right? what might they ask next? Or you may say you have three different responses to the question that they answer and then anticipating from there based on which one they pick, which one they want next, right? Is that kind of... Paint a picture.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. But what happens if the person on the other end picks a third option that was not predicted, right? And sometimes I do this, right? Sometimes when I want to check out what this brand is doing and, you know, how this bot will react to some of the responses that I type or that I choose. A lot of these automations are not ready for that, right? Right. The bot gets confused and it spits out, you know, a a default reply that is no longer congruent with the conversation. And then that is a turnoff. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just like I and the listeners here can probably remember a time where we were talking to somebody and we were, you know, very eager to share something. And that person was not paying attention. And just that person probably just came back and was like, try to, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, try to fit in you know, the conversation and ask something that you already said. That's such a turnoff for me. Like, dude, I already told you. Like, weren't you listening? Like, yeah. And so, so, so the silly things that happen with a chatbot, right? If that response is incongruent, if that response is is irrelevant, I mean, I had chatbots hit me up before summer begins, you know, get your body ready for a bikini. I'm like, what? Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, did you
0: read my bio?
2: (laughs) You didn't even segment me from the most basic categories, you know? So that becomes a turnoff, right? So that's when AI can come into play. Right. That's when AI yeah. can discern, you know, this person chose a different option, you know, and if that AI is properly trained to fill in, you know, those gaps, then that's when the compound effort is rewarded, right? That's when, if I ask a question, whether it's, uh, you know, I, mean, I grew up in New York and I, you know, I, maybe I speak a little different when I speak with my New York friends, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I if I may say something to a chat bot using different words, if that bot is properly trained, it'll know the context, right? In theory, right? It'll know the context and it will respond with something that is congruent to my question to my conversation. So, yeah, most bots are not doing their intended job and purpose because of the marketer or the team behind that automation. So that's one of the roles that uh, has becoming more and more important nowadays as the you know these these tools uh, are are widely spread
0: yeah well i yeah. think that's something that got missed in the beginning right like the missing the point of needing a human to design you can't just you know throw it against the wall you need <laughs> in order to have a good one you need, it needs to be thoughtful but yeah and we, we talked a little bit about that on the chat gpt episode about how i feel like this is potential to be a game changer, particularly for customer experience, not just for like when you're trying to get someone to buy something. Right. Because that's part of it. But also it's customer support. Right. Like I have an issue and you're trying to get to the, And it's and sometimes it'll send you to the knowledge base. But sometimes what you're asking is not in the knowledge base either. So that's definitely I think where. AI can fill in the gaps.
2: Sure thing. And uh, another one of my mantras that I, I live by is don't try to automate anything that you haven't been willing to get good at doing manually, mm. right? Although, otherwise, you want to automate failure, right? Mm-hmm. So in, with, within that, it's, you know, I firmly believe that the person or the team that is in charge of this very, very powerful function within a brand at least one person in the team needs to have the personality of a friendly, you know, social, chatty individual, right? Because if you suck at making friends, (laughs) you know, if you suck at making friends, please don't put that guy to be. (laughs) I mean, seriously, I mean, they're very good technical people who are way more gifted than I am. We love those guys, but those guys and gals, they might not write the copy within the, bot, right? Mm-hmm. We have another person you know writing the copy for that bot. Uh maybe it's the same person, but uh, but sometimes it's not. So when we are already showing results in some way, shape, or form that we can quantify and measure, then we with our automation, which I, I like to call a supercharger, right? Then that's going to increase, right? In theory, right? But if we don't have that proven concept that is measurable and and that we can see in charts and quantifiable, then let's not automate anything until we get good at doing that manually.
0: Right. No, that's a great point. Yeah. I love it. All right. So we're running a little long, but this is good. We're going to take a little brain break. And everyone in the country right now is talking about the weather. It It snowed on the beach in Santa Cruz. Yesterday. It snowed in Los Angeles yesterday. So, California is getting snow in places that it doesn't normally get snow. (laughs) Um, And then it's also super warm, like in Florida right now. It's probably super warm in Florida right now, right? Yeah. And in Texas, it's warm right now. So, it's just, it's all, and they're getting an ice storm in, I think, the upper Northeast right now. So crazy. (laughs) So, I thought it might be fun to have our brain break be what is the craziest weather situation you've ever been in? Jen, you want to go first?
1: Oh, yeah. So this happened back in, I think it was 95 or 96. I grew up in Oklahoma. And my brother, my little brother was on a traveling soccer team. And so he had a game in Oklahoma City, which uh, right there in Tornado Alley. And we were driving home from his soccer game one evening. And on the highway, we could see out our window, two tornadoes. <laughs> Like off in the distance, like way off in the distance. But then my mom starts talking about how like, okay, if they take a turn, we're going to have to jump into the ditch and take cover because you don't take cover under overpasses because they could crumble on top of you. You have to get into the ditch. I'm like, oh, this is a hell of a lesson. (laughs) so that was probably the wildest I've been closer tor- to two tornadoes than that I've had one jump over my house one time literally wow. um yeah it's, it's just one of those things where I have a lot of stories but actually seeing <laughs> seeing them in that perspective is probably the wildest thing
0: yeah that's crazy yeah living in the middle of the country you you guys yeah. get different things than we do out this way Danny, yeah. what about you
2: well, I haven't experienced a tornado. Those are quite unexpected and dangerous. I think I, I would be definitely so scared about that. And although I live here in Florida, I haven't experienced a, a full force of um, the devastation of a hurricane, I forbid. But I think snow is the common topic here. So mm-hmm. I grew up in New York City, and for 15 years I endured the brutal winter cold of New York. And one time, this is before I relocated to here to Jacksonville, Florida. I remember it snowed so bad that inside of the underground train station, there was about two feet of snow right on the tracks. And I wish back then we had those camera phones. This is, I'm dating myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, could, I could take a camera, I could take you know, I can pull my phone and take a picture of that and maybe a selfie, but uh, it was it was before those times. But I remember that, you know, the subway stations in New York in certain portions of that- of those tunnels, there are some bends that lead to the outside streets. Now, there was so much snow up on the streets that the snow was falling inside of the subway tunnel. Oh. And that's quite a sight that I guess uh, not a lot of people get to see. Yeah. That's,
0: wow. I'm trying to picture that. Me or too. Being, like in the subway, <laughs> like yeah, you're used to seeing steam come up, but I don't think I've ever... Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah no, there's the, the always station rats without the strike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I love that. That's funny. Okay, so mine is, there's so much more to this story, but the brief part of it is that it snowed a ton. A family had a house in South Lake Tahoe. We went skiing. It was my second time skiing. And, you know, the time had been 19 years before. I only got one I, by the time we're at the end of my lesson. There's only two of us out of 12 left. We did one run. I get to the bottom of the hill. My friends are like, we're going. OK, so it's I think it snowed three feet that night. Like it would snowed so much and their cars were parked outside and someone needed a ride to the airport. And so, I mean, I'm a California girl. Like I never get snow off a car before. Like so we're like, you know, with <laughs> brooms and everything. And then it gets to the point where like, OK, no, we can get in the car. I didn't have the keys. The keys were somewhere in the powder oh, of no. all of the snow that I just pushed off. I mean, the, the snow was thick and powdery enough around the car. <laughs> now, now everything that was on the car is now off of it and the keys are somewhere. So I go. I end up having to go back in the house and wake people up. And, and basically, I was like, everyone, we're going on a treasure hunt later today. I'm going to get ready because everyone's going to help me find these keys. And then, yeah, I had to get someone else's keys. And then we had, of course, cl- clean off another car. So I could take her. It was crazy. (laughs) It's not a fun thing to have to do. Maybe you can hear the rest of that story. There was a a lot. And I was not happy. Okay. (laughs) Moving on.
1: All right, let's kick Um, off the second half with Jen. Hey, all right. So, yay, let's dive in. Um, What are some key things to remember when creating this kind of automation for your brand? And how do you know what your audience will respond best to?
2: Great questions. Great questions, Jen. So one of the first things before automating anything when I'm being brought into this type of role is understanding where where these conversations are taking place, right? So some brands are Instagram specific, right? They are very visual and that's where the conversations are taking place and, you know, the DMs in between the brand and the user, right? So some other brands are omni-channel, right? They're they're everywhere, right? So conversations are everywhere in these channels. And uh, so understanding where is that a dominant channel where most of those conversations are being executed is key, right? Then understanding who is that audience, right? I mean, I I would not automate the same way a bot that's designed for a medical office, the same way as uh, maybe a client who's running a challenge, right? Very different terminology, very different, you know, bot persona. And I'm doing the air quotes uh, for those listeners who are not seeing me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh, yeah, the bot persona, right? So understanding what's that brand's voice, right, becomes so important because if I'm automating something, that bot, that automation is an extension of that brand, right? So if that is not congruent, people are gonna feel that. Yeah. You know, if, I, if I'm speaking like a like a doctor right, in a bot that is designed for product launch, right, it's not congruent or vice versa, right? I need to be a little bit more formal in some conversations, you know, with different type of clients, you know, than, you know, my own bot for my agency, right? So different things take place, right? So the audience, understanding who the audience is in order to develop that brand persona or that voice, not brand persona, bot persona, or, or the voice so that I can amplify, right? The bot is an amplifier. And also one one of the things that is probably the most fundamental and the most important than the two that I mentioned just now, is understanding the rules of the game, right? And which, which game am I talking about? Uh, well, knowing where these conversations are taking place, uh, say it's a messenger or say it's SMS, right? Text messaging. Each one of those channels have entities who oversee the, the privacy of the end user, of the consumer, or have rules that are channel specific, right? So here in the US, we have rules, right? We need to, you know, have the consent of people for us to message them, you know, with sales and propositions, right? So I think knowing the rules of the game, understanding your audience and identifying where is the channel where uh, where those conversations are taking place are the most important ones before automating anything.
1: Yeah. I love that part where the different demographics are on different channels too. And so there's a lot to think out and, and to plan. And it's like you mentioned before, it's almost like you need to like sit down and test a few things to make sure they're going to work. I would almost say like bring in a person and have a conversation with them and see like, okay, how many different directions can this go on this channel? You know, <laughs> like just exactly. testing.
2: Exactly. Yes. Testing. And uh, I normally, I don't execute any automation with you know, within even a week or two weeks into the project, right? When I'm having conversations with the you know different people in the team, you know, gathering some feedback, etc., right? Uh, understand or or looking into those conversations or those those missed opportunities where we can automate some things. So, yeah, the onboarding process is not like just your chat automation, you know, and open a box and, you know, plug it into your system. And there you go. It's a magic wand. It's never like that. that. (laughs) That's
0: awesome. Okay. I um, briefly, I saw that you participated in a clubhouse talking about a chatbot that. Sold $3 million in one hour. So if you can just briefly tell us about like how did what went down there? What's the
2: story? Yeah, so this is one of the case studies that I am most proud of, of sharing with uh with people when it's relevant, right? So in 2019, there was a, a launch of an info product by three giants in our space. And they are Tony Robbins, Dean Graziosi, and Russell Brunson, the owner of ClickFunnels. So those three personalities, they came together and they launched an info product called the KBB, the Knowledge Business Blueprint. And that program had a retail price of $2,000 with all the upsells, downsells, sales mm-hmm. you can imagine, right? And for that, we used uh, many chat. In combination with another stack of applications, including mobile wallet, Zapier to connect, you know, some things that we couldn't connect the traditional way. But the launch consisted of 10 day value videos, you know, engagement, building up the audience, building up the hype. And of course, they had a team of affiliate people who were also promoting this, who included some of the you know top people in that space. And, you know, we know some of those friends And uh, so the first hour when they after the 10 day build value, build value, build value, the 10th day was the launch. You know they had built up, you know, their audience into making a human decision of buying a two thousand dollar product that is a digital product that is not gonna work unless you make it work, right? So they you know they, they had all these uh, all these elements in place. Now, the first hour when they opened up the cart and people were ready to go and place that purchase, 3.2, I believe was the exact number. Three point two million dollars were generated just that first hour because of that automation. There were, I think, it was fifty five thousand messages coming in within that Mm -hmm. first hour. Uh, Imagine trying to, you know, attend to each one of those manually. I mean, it (laughs) would be terrible workload. But that's when we saw, and other people saw, and um, you know, the team involved got called again in the two thousand twenty launch or the continuation of that launch, uh, which made it even more special. But uh, one thing that the case study doesn't include is that PayPal broke twice mm. within that first hour. I mean, they couldn't handle all that load, uh, at least within that uh, within that time frame. So we'll never know what could have been achieved if PayPal didn't break uh, right. twice in that first hour. But yeah, it's been a, one of the most successful launches uh, in within that vertical, at least that has been documented. So
0: Right. Were the bots in several places or was it... Facebook? What was the... So Facebook
2: Messenger, yeah. Back then okay. we didn't have the connectivity with Instagram. So it was all Messenger.
0: Very cool. All right, we're in the home stretch. Mm-hmm. All
1: right. <laughs> so for those listeners who are um, excited by this and they want to get started right away, how can they easily get up and running?
2: Okay, so great question. So identify the people who you feel have some experience in this, in this space. I think that because the entry the barrier to entry to building a bot within these platforms is very low you know people can build some responsive you know automations but if somebody wants to really invest into the opportunity to automate conversations and you know after conversations come what conversions right not everybody who chats with your brand converts but that's where it starts not, I don't think there's been an, a conversion before a conversation, right? I don't think that's ever happened, at least uh, in in my perspective. So identifying who a, a a person with with enough experience and with enough, I guess track record, right of not having you know accounts shut down under under their watch, understanding the rules of the game, right? And um and maybe a reference, right? Asking people uh, who have had a positive experience with an agency or with a bot builder. You know, asking that person for a reference, I think that that works magnificent, you know, because I like to take care of uh, personally. I I like to take care of those personal references more so than I think uh, a lot of uh, conversations. And that's because, you know, someone had a positive experience. And that someone took the opportunity to mention my name and share my information. So I think that, that I don't take that for granted. So definitely looking to uh, somebody who had a positive past experience and results, hopefully documented, and uh, take it from there. I think that we are in the in the right time where if those opportunities are not taken advantage of, there's so much money left on the table by brands who are not automating and they're taking these conversations manually. They're wasting, you know, a lot of time and dollars.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I think to not having someone help you learn how to do it is always a good idea versus the the trial and error of just trying to make something work, especially if you're working for a brand, you know, like you want to be. I'm serious about that. I wish that the listeners could see Jen's cat, who has been entertaining uh, for the last couple. (laughs) Danny was still very focused on his answer, but the cat was walking back in front of of Jen's face, (laughs) the tail whipping.
2: (laughs) I was in the zone. (laughs) Yeah, you were. (laughs)
0: That's awesome. Okay. We like to ask every guest that comes on to share a business book that they recommend to our listeners. And yes, you can give two.
2: Awesome, awesome. So when I read your email and I I needed to go into my box of books, some of which I haven't read. So thank you for that because I'm like, ooh, this one I haven't read. Let me put it to the side so I can (laughs) put it on on the wait list, if you will. And I almost never read two books at once. Um, uh, I like to finish one and then start another. One. But this year, I started, you know, reading two. So I already read this one: the uh, the presentation secrets of Steve Jobs. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the presentation secrets of Steve Jobs. I mean, that's that goes without even an introduction. And uh, this one that I picked up some time ago, and I'm still not finished, but it's called Talent is Overrated by Geoff Colvin. So, yeah, I'm I'm getting a lot of nuggets from both of these points of view, right? And looking forward to implementing a lot of these concepts and uh, and business uh, truths that um, I'm getting from these two books. Talent so. is
0: overrated. I'm just That's clickbait. <laughs> like, I don't buy it. I have to see why he says that.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. It's an interesting viewpoint of talent is overrated. I think that uh, the author makes a good debate on people who are much more talented than me at least. Or let me let me rephrase this. <laughs> people who maybe Less talented than me or than the reader are achieving great success, and it has little to do with talent, right? So I, I think it's a it's a mind bender that we can gather a lot of you know different angles from, and also debunk some of the myths that uh, that exists in, in our minds, right?
0: Yeah, awesome, love it. I will have to check that out. Well. Thank you, Danny, so much. This has been really illuminating. And I love especially because things have changed so much. And I mean, and like we just scratched the surface, which is often the case on yeah. podcasts, right? Like, you know, just started to get people thinking. Um, so thank you for being with us.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me. I had an awesome time.
0: Excellent. And thank you, Jen, as always, my trusty sidekick and her kitty. Um, for rocking it today.
1: <laughs> Always a good time. Yeah, Moira is a little more social than Edgar for sure. She's like up here watching us talk. I have a video I'll yeah, post later. I, be,
0: I bet you do. Yeah, and <laughs> her name is Moira Rose. So for those Shits Creek fans, that's what she named her kitty. So <laughs> awesome. All right, friends. I thank you for being with us on this episode of the Making a Marketer podcast and we will catch you next time.